right, let's uh, open our time with prayer. Lord, please bless our uh, study of your word um, this morning. Please bless our worship of you uh, here in a little bit. I pray that you would um, bless us uh, today and bless us as we go out this week to uh, glorify and honor you. Amen. Amen. Who would like to read uh, Psalm 20? Jonathan, yeah, go <laughs> To the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard your, with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of our God and set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Thanks. So, uh, someone describe Psalm 20 to me. Or, or uh, a piece of it. Well, there, something seems to happen between verse uh, 5 and 6. Like, God has done a thing, and then now I know that the Lord saves mm-hmm. his anointed, so... Um, feels like all of the things he's re- been requesting through verse 1 through 5 is granted and then he reflects on God having done the thing but it's weird that the, the granting is left out <laughs> right so I don't know yeah uh, exactly what was done I wonder if around the time that it was written like it would have been like obvious what it was yes there's, there's so many things in history that like people just write down like the name of something and yeah. they just kind of assume that everybody knows that yeah and get lost. a la star spangled banner or something like that so the um a couple of people i was reading think that psalm 20 was kind of a liturgical psalm during a sacrifice before war but they put and and, and i forget who it was um put the first verses one through three as kind of the preamble, and then the Selah being when they pause and actually sacrifice the animal, but that's a verse before the tense change that you're pointing out. Um, also, that feels like it would be, I don't know, I have a hard time picturing singing for just two verses and then pausing. Well, I don't know how long it takes to kill an animal, but it's not, it's not a second. Um, Did you look at in the Hebrew, I don't understand how these maids are there. Uh, they, it, it just says la, uh, or uh, ya, uh, which is, I think, and. So it's and, but I, I guess the way the mm-hmm. verbs are conjugated, it's, it's a supplication. But um, lots of other places where uh, these same words are used, it's not translated as a supplication. So, uh, I, d- I don't know yet. Uh, Definitely. It's a command or something. Uh, but, 
definitely treated as a supplication everywhere I've read it, but no, I did not look at the Hebrew for that. Um, it's... Sorry, it's, I, let's just assume all the translations are right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was, was interesting is David... Um, interesting to me that David is writing the psalm for the people to sing... To him. To him, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so are you saying that you take verse 9, may he answer us when we call, being, may the king answer us? Well, that's what my Bible says. Just may the king answer us when we call. It's like, the psalm is like David speaking to the children of Israel? I think it's the other way around. I think that the children of Israel are singing this about David, but he wrote it for them <laughs> to sing about him. I, I um, love songs to sing to my life. <laughs> <laughs> Very flattering. So, so if you picture, yeah, go ahead, Sam. So I'm, yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm the new King James here. It ends, save Lord, may the king answer us when we call. Yeah, what did. explicitly saying it's the king. What did your translation say? What did your translation say? Oh, Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. So they're calling mm. out to the Lord to save the king. So it's left ambiguous. Is it the king or the Lord that would answer us? But so they, they, they capitalized king that that could be a translational okay. decision because I don't think they have caps in the ability. Correct. Yeah, most of the translations do what ours, the King James does. But I did see historically it was more common to translate it, God save the king. I don't know if it got to the king came from here, but that was the more that's the more historical translation of that last verse. Um, well, we're Americans, so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, David's David's written this, um, but the people are singing it to David in anticipation of a of a battle. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May He send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Uh, may he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. And then they think there might actually be a sacrifice here at this point, or at least around the psalm. And then may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill your purpose. Um, it changes a little bit there where it says uh, in verse 5, we will rejoice in your salvation. It becomes um, plural, first person. Um, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. Uh, may the Lord fulfill all your petitions, or, well, that, then it goes back. Um, Doug Wilson lays out the, uh, lays the psalm out into a whole call and response. So he has verses 1 through 4 being the people singing, and then he has verse 5 being the king responding back. Um, not really re- responding together with them, because it's plural. We will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. And then the people answer again. Now the Lord fulfill. All, may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And then the king responding again. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer him from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. And then kind of a chorus at the end with the people um, singing. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. Um, but I do think I want to come back to that split there. Um, that you point out, John, in 5 and 6, because when we read Psalm 21, it has the same kind of tense change, like halfway through the, through the psalm. So we'll, come, we'll hit on that again. Um, 
this is categorized as a royal psalm. So it's one of a group of psalms in, uh, that are written about the king, sort of political psalms, um, written about the less personal and more about the government of Israel. Um, and the question kept coming up, which is how would we pray, how would we employ Psalm 20 in praying for ourselves right now in our nation? Read, read it, read it, Jeannie, yeah. And besides, oh, keep going. It seems like, like uh, you know, there are like times like big times we feel pretty safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, hear upon me when I hear, look on me when I call. Hear mm-hmm. me, you know. the, um, just to add on to what you're saying with the names, uh, how does David, what does David say to, like there's sort of, a, there's sort of an echo in this psalm of David, what David says to Goliath, which is, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And besides saying Yahweh throughout the psalm, he also says, you know, in the name of God, we set up our banners. Um, There's another one. The name of the God of Jacob defends you. So there's, he's calling on God personally with his his name, and then there's all this um, confidence in that name like he had with Goliath in the name itself. But yeah, I'm, that was a little tangent, though. You're just talking about how we pray this for right now, and you're saying, verse 1, save, Lord, deliver us in the day of trouble. I mean, we don't see any way out. I mean, all around us, our enemies are, are attacking. North, south, east, west. Well, uh, who yeah. So who's the when you when you think when you pr- look at the psalm that way who's the king that you're praying for? The king almighty, yeah. the one and only. The Lord right. of hosts, the, you know, the one who stoops to pay our sins and bring us life. Right. And Right, and ultimately, that's who the psalm's about. Right, is Jesus is the is the true the true King that the that David is is writing about prophetically. Did I, um, someone raise their hand over here? Jim, yeah.
have examples hmm. for uh, when they say king of Egypt, uh, Babylon, Persia, king of, like it's the same word that they use for, for that. So it's, it's more of a, of a, a potentate, you know, that's elected yeah. by man rather than God Almighty. So wouldn't that mean that uh, this is saying here that uh, Save O Yahweh, and may whoever rules the nation that we are a part of answer us in the day that we call. So we are singing this to that king so that he recognizes that he is under authority of God <coughs> and that he answers us when we are being righteous so that we, uh, so that he saves us Correct. according to what God has already yeah, I, I like that explanation a lot. And it also um, it also helps with trying to think about um, praying it for our king, our president. It's sort of like um, calling on someone whose who's good is our good. Even when we feel like they're against us in a lot of ways, their good is our good. And we're saying, hey, you're... You need the salvation of God. You need to answer us when we call and respond to God and your calling from God. Um, and yeah, but yeah, I think that there I, there's some just there was some discussion on Jonathan's kind of his translation verses, and I think most of them land where it's it's calling on the King. Although that your explanation I think is is one of the better explanations of that. I'm with you. I think it's I think it's a uh song and prayer for the king because the um, the king needs God's help and he needs God's wisdom to stand on the day of battle and prevail mm-hmm. and so it's, he's acting on behalf the king acts on behalf of the people before God in that case um, so that's how I see it is, is you know, save, save the king yeah you're, we're, it's a prayer for the uh, to the sovereign that he would have wisdom from God mm-hmm. yeah I feel too it's also a good practice for like you were talking about prayer for ourselves because you talked about you know calling out to God in time of need and to protect us and then moving into believing that he's going to, to protect us and be there for us because you first you, you petition what you need from God in times of trouble or even in happiness but then going into praising that he's already done it basically yeah. which is a good way to How would you cat- categorize that? So I wrote at that that division that John was talking about one through five. I wrote petition for that section. I wasn't in totally sure what to call six through nine, where it's not petition anymore. It's the, what you're describing. Yeah, what would you call that? that? Maybe just uh, in my uh, thoughts is that you're just praising him, and he's going to be there for us, and he's he's going to save us. And so, um, like it says, but you know, some trust in the chariots and some in the horses, but we have to trust in the Lord. So it's basically telling him in your prayer that we trust you no matter what. And mm-hmm. we don't believe in what the world has to offer, but we believe what you have to offer. And yep. that way you're kind of like solidifying your prayer for him and letting him know that no matter what, you praise him for whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Jonathan. Barring an offstage victory given from the Lord between verse 5 and 6, I think you, if it is... Yeah, I don't think there's time for that. <laughs> it could be, it's uh, pre-gaming the celebratory, you know, it's like, right. <laughs> it's, al- it's already in anticipation of the victory. Confidence in what yeah. God will do. Um, something <laughs> Spurgeon, anyone read um, Spurgeon, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was believing that, because I think sometimes yeah. we go, and uh, you know, for me, you have this, uh, we have like natural doubt, or you know, just our human nature is the doubt that we're going to get through this, but by speaking it to him, it kind of helps us to confirm that we, we trust him no matter what. Yeah, he's gonna, he's yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I wrote I ended up writing response of assured faith for that that section. Um and then um in Spurgeon's Treasury of David he has some cool line about I don't think I, I wrote one of his lines down for to share at some point, but something about how um a buds are beautiful, like promises that have begun but not yet fulfilled are are beautiful. Um even before they, they flower, that sort of confidence that w- God's promise that's going to be accomplished. And we're going to see that too in the next psalm. Um, what And that's the only thing that they that they have in the psalm, are the banners they're setting up in the name of the Lord. Um, the most, you know, what they say: some trust in chariots and some in horses. What's the most? What's the most fearsome weapon of war at that time? It's a a chariot, chariots and scythes, just mowing men down in the battlefield. And Israel's for Israel's not allowed to store up horses and chariots for the day of battle. So that they're. Against you? Are you talking from Jud- Judges? Yeah, Judges? I was thinking about that too because yeah. it almost feels like a counterexample because it says, and the Lord was with Judah 
and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. <laughs> and it's interesting because that starts out, the Lord was with Judah. It's Judah is unable to do it, but it almost makes it sound like the Lord was una unable to help Judah. Because he wasn't in Judah's heart. They well, well, Deborah and Barak, Sisera had all the iron chariots. He was on the high country. And they were down in the valley thinking, they're going to get wiped out. Mm. But the Lord had it all prepared just as uh, it bogged down, comes right? down, yeah. they yeah. Get, all get stuck in the mud. Yeah. And then a Tente yeah. wins the day. A woman. Oh, I'm I'm woman woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't sit next to you. Did you ask how we should use this psalm in praying for President Biden? Did you ask that question? I asked how we should use it in praying for our yeah, for our country. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, so there are two main, two main threads, and one is the psalm's really about the king in the psalm is David, but the king really in the psalm is Jesus. So we're really praying this psalm to our king Jesus for his victory that we know has begun and will be completed, and, which is the second part of that verse. And yet we can also pray it for our president as well, the way they're kind of praying it for David, but it takes on a little bit of a different... Um, what Wilson says this to pray the psalm for your country right now would require a lot of uh, a lot more psalms of repentance at the same time because this psalm doesn't quite fit. But um, but Biden's good is our you know the good of our president is he's the lead one leading our country and so we do need to be praying for his wisdom, salvation, success in certain ways. And the psalm could be an example for that. There's definitely a lot of relevance here for our, uh, our, the country we're in besides the, the Christological meaning. Let's read uh, Psalm 21, and then we can, they're kind of, they're connected, so we can come back, we can talk about Psalm 22. Um, I think they're connected. Uh, there's some disagreement on that. Um, 
Psalm 21, someone? Yeah, Bethany. The chief musician, a psalm of David. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not, has not withhold the request of his lips. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked, thee, he asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceedingly glad with thy countenance. For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thine right hand shall find out, find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as fiery ovens in the time of thine anger. For, oops, sorry, one more drink. Lost my place. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit thou shalt thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device, which they were not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back. Yes, sorry, <laughs> When thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. So thoughts, what's the, what's the, you see a, a, a train there from 20 to 21? This is the rejoicing in the aftermath of the singing. Yeah. Yeah, verse, uh, verse, verse 4 of Psalm 20 is, May he grant you according to your heart's desire to fulfill your purpose. And then verse 2 of Psalm 21 is, You have given him his heart's desire, have not withheld the request of his lips. Other thoughts? What'd you say? Mercy of thoughts. She has many tenses. Oh, mercy, yeah, mercy of thoughts, yeah. <laughs> um, how do the tenses change? I uh, hear Jonathan, it's kind of the same thing you pointed out on in the other one. Um, it's, it's. Uh, it did, and then will. It goes to future tense. In yeah. Eight. Yeah. And uh, the first verse was future tense in the King James, but I think in the ESV it's present tense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then you get one through seven being this response of what got accomplished. And now you have this kind of aftermath of the battle song. Um, but then it goes to future again in, um, in eight through 13. Psalm 20 has... May the Lord do something, and now I know he does it. And then Psalm 21 has, the Lord did this. And here's what the Lord will do. It's interesting. Um, what do you make yeah. of the, the talk of uh, length of days forever and ever? Uh, it, is, it is interesting that there doesn't seem to be a very robust uh, idea of the eternality of the soul and the afterlife in the Old Testament and that kind of seems out of no, out of nowhere just like in Psalm 133 3, it says mm -hmm. it is like the dew of Hermon which falls in the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life, life forevermore, forevermore. Yeah. and it's like 
wait, when did that happen? <laughs> um, yeah. Is, are both of those potentially referring to something that David was let in on that he never fully verbalized in Scripture, other than passing references to them in the Psalms? No, I think it, I think it is verbalized. Second um, Samuel seven, okay. I think sixteen. The whole chapter, really, but I think 16 kind of hits on the key part there. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. But, like, I mean, that so clearly is his offspring. Right. And that's how that's interpreted, it seems, by everyone. Is, uh, but he's saying life forevermore. Yeah. A very different thing. Yeah. Well, and, and in some way we know it's, it's about Jesus, yeah. who he is the one who is lives through death forevermore. Um, but um, Joseph Alexander, that's, that's uh, Dan's, um, Dan's big psalm guy. Um, he's like, no, Psalm 21 is not a response to Psalm 20. It's strictly about God's promise to David and Samuel. Um, and, um, and, um, and David's request being granted that that um, God will cut off his enemies before him, and um, his sons who come after him will establish his kingdom and build a house for his name that will last forever. Um, yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be one or the other, but I very much like the connection with the uh, with the the victory afterwards, and it also connects to something else I want to read um, before we're done here. Um, I'm going to turn to, um, uh, someone want to read Luke 17, 11 through 17? The question kind of is, that I want to get to, is kind of, what's the structure here in these Psalms, and how can that, um, how can that inform the, our structure of our prayers? Um, and, we keep talking about the, the um, in Psalm 20, the, what they want God to do and the confidence that he'll do it. And then Psalm 21, you have the kind of this already not yet idea of like God's accomplished something. And then here's what he will accomplish. Um, but um, so there's, there's a very interesting pattern here with the prayers of petition thanksgiving. Someone will read Luke 17, 11 through 17, because I think that also adds kind of a, or helps add those kind of categories. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go all the way to 19, yeah. Him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you 
So what what does that last verse mean? Um, well, they were all there were ten made well, and then one comes back and thanks God, and then he says, "Your faith has made you well." There's uh yeah no definitely, I mean I think that's it, yeah, yeah he, just like the one where Jesus heals heals him and then heals his leg. But when it comes back and thanks God is is truly and fully made well. Yeah. It, it makes me think of a really weird thing that James Jordan says about okay. uh, the sin of eating the fruit in the garden was not in the you know metabolization of the fruit. It was the fact that anything not done in faith is sin and they were unable to give thanks for that meal because it had to be hmm. done in secret because it was outside of the Lord's will. Yeah. So the essential, uh, the essential nature of the sin was that it was not done in a thankful, faithful heart be- because it had to be hidden. Because I, wait, wait, It's just another way of phrasing it. Right. But it uh, I, I, I like the idea that ten of them were healed of their leprosy but maybe only one came to a saving faith which is the truth. He has been made well spiritually by his faith, not just right. Right, and it's. I do. The Lord, the Lord willed it, and I like the Lord's will. Not in my face. <laughs> um, it's also key that he's a he's a he's a foreigner here. It's key that he's a foreigner, a Samaritan here. So Israel, um, Israel petitions God for this healing from this leprosy. It's granted, and then. They go away to their priests, and that's that's the end of their story. It's the Samaritan who's despised in Israel who actually goes and seeks the one who healed him and thanks him. And he's the one who truly becomes a, the people of God. Um, so the whole picture is the people of God petition God, and they trust that it's going to be granted, and God grants it, and then they seek the one who's granting their petition they seek and he seeks jesus we seek the face of that we see that in psalm 20 and 21 right here we're seeing in luke we're seeing the kingdom being ripped away from the uh the israelites um but in psalm 20 and 21 we see that pattern of um israel people of god seek god and then when god grants it they seek in thanksgiving the one who who granted that? Yeah. Well, I don't. I almost feel like in Psalm twenty-one, where it talks about they will be made an oven, or they will be put into an oven. In in Revelation, it says the smoke from its burning will go up forevermore. And I, I believe it's talking about Jerusalem there. Uh, and so it almost feels like the negatives of this are later fulfilled mm-hmm. on it, uh, you know natural Israel in substitution for like uh, from the lectionary in Romans, it talks about because of their disobedience, we were allowed in. Right. Um, yeah. Yes, there will. Yes, and that one will not be on fire bread. Yeah, I mean they be I mean they become the enemies of God. And that that's the other thing I mean we touched on Psalm twenty one is they've been given victory and they're thanking God for victory, and then that turns into um, trust in all the other victories God is going to accomplish against his enemies.
Um, and we, we kind of have that, that pattern. We have that every week, right? We end with our petitions. So that's the first thing that hits the week is our prayer petitions. And then when we come back the next Sunday, we thank God. And we respond for what he's granted us in the previous week, ideally. Um, and then we thank him. I um, mean, then we petition, petition him again, and that's the that becomes those become the kind of the bookends, just like here the bookends: petition to Thanksgiving, petition to Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, I think that is. Uh, what about our prayers for Joe Biden? Uh, well, that's uh, a. Sixth, are you going to be the first over the barricade? Is that the? <laughs> <laughs> let me uh, let me let me stop with that. <laughs> the uh, here's a here's a quote from CEP that I think answers kind of Jeannie where you started. Um, well, he says the only way we can pray this way for our leaders is to see them as this congregation sees its king, namely as a person facing a crisis that he cannot meet in his own strength and wisdom. The more to Psalm 20, but um, yeah, let's pray and sing Psalm 21. Um, Lord, I pray that you would um, bless us, help us to be a faithful people to you, seeking you um, honestly and in, and in trust, and then um, not forgetting to uh, seek you um, and glorify you in thanksgiving as you answer us and in confidence in what you will do. I pray that you would um, help us to um, pattern that here in our worship, to pattern that in our, uh, our lives this week and for our children. And I pray that you would um, bless our nation and help our leaders to seek you um, in, the, in the challenges they face.